after making arrangements for his father's coffin to be safely stored until he was ready for it. Smoke walked down to the far end of the station platform, where the bodies of the men he had shot had been laid out as if on display. Each one had its arms folded across his chest. The eyes were open on two of them. The third had only one eye open, the other having been destroyed by the entry of the bullet. There were two men standing there, looking down at the bodies. One was the well-dressed passenger from the train, the one the conductor had referred to as Judge. The other man, who hadn't been a passenger, was also wearing a suit and was smoking a cigar. A star attached to the lapel of his suit jacket identified him as the sheriff. This is the man who did it, sheriff, the judge said. The sheriff took his cigar out of his mouth and spit out a few pieces of loose tobacco before he spoke. You shot these men, did you? he asked. I had enough people who saw me do it that it would be rather foolish of me to deny it, don't you think? Smoke replied. The sheriff chuckled. You have a point there, he said. There is no sense in you seeking an indictment on this man, because I will not grant it the judge said. I've already been told by half a dozen others what happened, judge. You don't have to worry about it. I won't be bringing any charges against him. The sheriff stuck the cigar back in his mouth and looked at Smoke again. I do have one question, though. What would that be? Smoke asked. Why? Why did you take a chance like that? They were robbing the train. So I heard but what business is that of yours? It would have been my business if they started taking money from the passengers. I was one of the passengers. That's correct, Sheriff, the judge said. Jimmy Dill announced the moment he stepped onto the train that it was their intention to rob the passengers, regardless of what might have been in the express car. The Sheriff stuck the cigar back into his mouth and stared at Smoke for a long moment. That was when Smoke recognized him. This was Paul Sadler. But Smoke had changed a lot more than Sadler had over the intervening years. So he knew that while Sadler might find him familiar, he probably wouldn't be able to place him. Are you going to need me any more, Sheriff? I need to get my horses down to Curran's livery, then get checked into the hotel. No, the Sheriff said. Truth is, the railroad and the town owe you a debt of gratitude. Will you be staying long? Just for a few days, Smoke said. I'm here to take care of some personal business. If I run into you in the saloon, I'll buy you a drink. Smoke nodded. I'll appreciate it. Damn, I didn't even ask him his name, Sheriff Sadler said as he walked away. And I should have. He's damn familiar looking to me. A man like that doesn't stay unknown for long, the judge replied. I expect we'll learn his name soon enough. Once arrangements for the horses were made at the Kern livery stable, Smoke and Sally checked into the Bracken Hotel. Mr. and Mrs. Kirby Jensen, the hotel clerk said as he read the entry. Welcome to Galena. Thank you, Smoke replied.
Why did you use the name Kirby? Sally asked after they went upstairs. A couple of reasons, Smoke said. One reason is because Kirby is how I was known when I still lived here. But primarily it's because back here, I doubt that anyone has connected the name Kirby with Smoke, and I'd just as soon nobody is able to do that. I'd like to keep this visit as quiet as I can. Ha! After that private war you had before we arrived here, just how long do you think it will be before someone puts two and two together? Smoke smiled. Who's going to put two and two together? I grew up here, remember?